So I received an email um, from somebody already pitching our next book, which is so exciting. Uh, the email was, I, I wasn't sure how this, how, you know, how you picked this book in particular. And it was totally from y'all. I had suggested just the books of the authors that we've had on the show. Um, and this, I believe, was uh, recommended by uh, Susan Holtz, one of our club members, who's also on the board. I think she's about to be, not sure if she's been yet inducted as a VP of the Chicago Gender Society. And they also do things on Tuesday night. So a little disappointed that she couldn't be with us tonight because I think this was her suggestion, but I was so touched by all the people who were like, yeah, I remember reading that book. That was the first book that I read. So, so just a, a show of hands, who here is a reader, like just loves to read anyway? Okay, yes, all right, so we, we found our people. Miranda, I'm assuming you're raising a hand back there, but if not, that's okay. Good Lord, no. <laughs> Good Lord, no. Uh, I'm, I'm a <laughs> so listener. I'm a listener, not a reader. Do you like the audiobooks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I get who who prefers audiobooks. Ooh, I think you might stand alone there, my friend. Um, I think they're I enjoy them for like the long, long road trips, but there's nothing like sitting and just holding a paperback in your hand and enjoying like the texture and the smell and the the quiet peace of the moment with a good cup of tea. So um, I believe we are live and ready to go. I'm gonna follow us on our phone. If you are with us tonight, please feel free to post into the chat. So excited for this evening. And I'm just gonna get us started. Welcome everybody. It is Trans Tuesday, as I always say, my absolute favorite night of the week. I am Cassandra Storm, your host, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, before we begin, I would like to just take a moment and acknowledge the loss of a very dear friend and sister and a woman who called me her adopted daughter, uh, Katie Ward. She was a touchstone for so many in the community, uh, myself included. I would say that if you are not receiving the Trans Central PA emails, uh, you should sign up. They sent a very beautiful email in memoriam out for Katie this week. If you are getting the emails, I apologize because I'm pretty much going to read it verbatim. For those of you who know Katie in any capacity, she was everywhere. So if you only knew a little bit of her, this is, this is who Katie Ward was to, to us and to so many in the community. Um, Katie had actually, she passed last Monday, uh, June 14th in a care facility after finding out less than a month ago that she had stage four brain cancer, uh, which had metastasized to her kidneys. The prognosis was short, um, but she underwent a few treatments of radiation so she could have a little more time with her daughter and her granddaughters. Although tired a lot in her last days, she said she had no pain. So Katie had dedicated much of her life into service of others. She served our country honorably, first in the Navy and then in the Air National Guard, which she retired from after 20 plus years of military service. 
She was an officer of Transcentral PA for over five years and a volunteer member for twice that amount of time. She would consistently host dinners around Harrisburg uh, before support group meetings to give people a chance to forge friendships both within and outside the group and build confidence in themselves. She enjoyed helping people and giving back. She actively participated in many community organizations such as the Keystone Business Alliance, whom she helped plan their annual award banquet dinners for a couple of years. But her favorite event uh, was the one that she helped grow into one of the largest events in the country, the Keystone Conference, a celebration of diversity. Katie took on many roles at Keystone. She was the volunteer coordinator of the offsite coordinator, the security coordinator, the registrar, and many others for several years. At the Saturday night gala of the last Keystone, Katie received a much deserved standing ovation for her contributions to Keystone and the central Pennsylvania community. Um, with her passing, Katie leaves behind a legacy of generosity, kindness, and compassion. We will miss you, Katie. Thank you for being our friend and let us take a moment of silence in Katie's honor. Thank you, everyone. For me, I, uh, I began my journey in working in the trans community in 2012, and Katie was one of the first people who trusted me to photograph her. And uh, she always had a smile and always put her arm around my shoulders, and I just loved her dearly. And I, I can't imagine going into the next Keystone without her. So thank you all so very much for keeping her and her family in your thoughts and prayers. And tonight um, we are doing something really unique for the first time ever after a hundred and like, I don't know, 15 episodes or so, we are hosting our first ever book club discussion. Um, so what's really neat is um, Maggie Uber pointed out that not only are we discussing Jennifer Finney Boylan's book, She's Not There um, tonight, we are actually celebrating this book on the author's birthday. So wild coincidence that this was the first book chosen by our members. Everybody um, you know, put out the books that they wanted to read, then we had a group vote, this was it, and then tonight was the night. Very, very happy birthday to our author, Jennifer. Thank you for writing such a pivotal book. Um, something that when our members were voting on which book to read for the very first book club discussion, everybody had said that they had some special memory or tie to this as it was such a groundbreaking novel for the transgender community. So tonight we are discussing her book, She's Not There, A Life in Two Genders. Before we continue, I would like to acknowledge the fabulous members who are with us tonight. Uh, ladies, if you would not mind introducing yourselves and uh, sharing your pronouns, and we will begin with the besties in the corner. <laughs> I'm Maggie Uber, and of course it's she, her. Hi, I'm Linda Messick, and my pronouns are she, her. Anyone just jump in since we all see each other in a different order. Well, I'm Branwyn Drew, uh, pronouns she, her. Paula Smith, pronouns she, her. 
Renee Mitchell, pronouns she, her. Miranda Jones, she, her. Uh, Ashley Blank. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Liz. <laughs> Liz Tattersall, she, her. Uh, Ashley Glennon, she, her. Georgette, female. Thank you, everybody, and welcome tonight to Trans Tuesday. Um, so for those of you who have read the book, uh, please feel free to put your comments in our Facebook chat, and I will follow along with your comments and questions along with the ladies in our book. And for anyone who is wondering why we chose this as our first book and why it is so significant, I have this little bit of an explanation for anyone who's listening at home, and I swear this is literally just straight from Amazon to my lips. Uh, when she changed genders, she changed the world. It was the groundbreaking publication of She's Not There in 2003 that jump-started the transgender revolution by turns hilarious and deeply moving, Boylan, a cast member on I Am Kate, an advisor to the television series Transparent, and a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times, explores the territory that lies between men and women, explains changing friendships and rejoices in the redeeming power of love and family. She's Not There was one of the first works to present a trans experience from the perspective of a literary novelist, opening a door to a new understanding of love, sex, gender, and identity. Boylan inspired readers to ask the same question she asked herself. What is it that makes us ourselves? What does it mean to be a man or a woman? And how much could my husband or wife change and still be recognized as the one I love? So my questions for the group tonight, um, and please anybody at home, feel free to comment along with us. And if anybody here in the Zoom has um, anything to comment, I do have some questions from emails from before, but I'd just like to know from the room, when was the first time you read this book and what did it mean to you at that point in your life? Anyone feel free to jump in. I was gonna say, I read it about 2005. Um, and <clears throat> I noticed that when I read it this time, I think that what I got the most out of this book was how when I read it the first time, I was only exploring the idea of transgenderism. I didn't even know. I had just, I was still working. I still, my wife was still alive. And when I read it the second time, it's like so many things meant so much more and much different to me now, having gone through transition than what before. So uh, I, I just, what I got out of it the first time and the second time were just completely opposite. Are there any of those things that jump to your mind now, or would you like to share them later in our discussion? Well, the, the couple of things that I noticed was several things that she had said was one of the things that when she stopped being a teenager and started being more of a, being a woman, the, the other thing was I noticed there came a time when I stopped telling people about, you know, when, when I was first coming out and transitioning, I would tell people, oh, I went here as Maggie. I went there as Maggie. And I got to the point, as she did in the book, where it just stopped. I became 
I didn't have to say I went out as Maggie because I am Maggie. And that, that was a transitional moment for me. That's beautiful. Linda, since you're sharing a camera and a mic, when did you first read this book? Um, I read it three years ago. Um, similar to Maggie, I at that time was married. I was still trying to figure out what, who am I? What am I? What does this mean? Those types of things were going through my mind. So this was one I read a lot of books, but this was one of the first that actually kind of went, aha. And that year kind of set in motion where I am today. And this book was one of the several books I read that kind of put things in motion <laughs> for me. So uh, I've, I've gone a long way from three years ago to today. And uh, so I, I remember this book. I didn't even have to reread it. I remember it very well because it had that much of an effect on me. That's wonderful. What about anybody else? Well, um, I read it. It was the first one of the first books I read after I transitioned, which was just about which was just over three years ago. And what got me right away was the humor in it, which I needed at the time. Uh, and the, and the, the strength that she showed through it. And uh, even the references back to her childhood, which were, were kind of hard to, to catch into at times, uh, made me think about what I, what I had gone through when I was young and uh, some of the same experiences. And, and it's just so positive. And it's, um, I wish I hadn't let my copy of it. Now I've got a, I bought another copy and I've got to get back into reading it when I get time. So start it all over again. She is really positive. She talks about in the book how that was like a family trait that her mother was a super positive person and she had kind of taken that on. Yeah. All the way through her life. Yeah. What about, for you? what about for I, you? Uh, I first read it when uh, you posted on the uh, on the chat and I have to say I it to me it was very powerful I can't tell you how many passages I've underlined I can't tell you how sad absolutely sad I was through part of that book um, for her loss for where she wanted to go, but she wasn't getting there. Um, I actually, this book helped me talk to my bride um, about trans issues. And, and it, to me, it was absolutely critical. Best book I've read. Wow, thank you, Paula. Anybody else? Did anyone else read this a long time ago or at a significant time for them? I read it at a pretty significant time. I read it like last month. <laughs> uh, you are um, going through a significant time. Yeah, uh, for, for me, um, you know, for those who don't know, I'm very new to coming out socially uh, transitioning. And, um, and it, I actually ended up listening to this on a long road trip. Um, and what just hit me time and again 
were the conversations between um, her and her wife and they were verbatim uh, to some of the just gut-wrenching conversations I've been having with my wife um, as we work our way through this. Um, and she's been amazing, um, much like uh, the wife in the book, like Grace was. But um, but yeah, it, it, it's it, there. Are so many similarities of just the thoughts while growing up, and uh, I mean, not all the experiences, but I mean, they, but the same, just you know, what am I doing? What am I thinking? Maybe this will cure me. No, and just all of it, and just I mean, um, even as much as just the. I found the love of my life. I'm I'm cured, and mm-hmm. and and it went away for a long time, and then of course it comes back. And um, so yeah, it just it's I've actually like re-listened to it again just because it was I wanted to go back and hear so many of the things that uh, just you know pulled at me and stirred in me. I find books can really affect you so much the second time. You know, you have that initial reaction and then it, it enters you on like a cellular level when you connect with it the second time. Yes, Georgia? Um, I wanted to listen to everybody else's first because um, what all the others are going through now, I went through many, many years ago. And I wanted to see how they felt about this book. I only read it, like I say, like last month, I bought a copy online and uh, read it um, because you were saying about it being groundbreaking work, but for someone who transitioned in the 70s, it wasn't so groundbreaking yet. Uh, I remember Christine Jorgensen, they made a movie about her. Uh, Jan Morris wrote a book, Conundrum, who uh, Jenny actually referenced in, I forget whether it was the acknowledgments or something. Uh, I was when I was transitioning, it was when uh, uh, Renee Richard was coming out and trying to get into professional uh, women's tennis. And another that uh, a person that I had been following since the late 60s, uh, Walter, Walt, yeah, Wendy Carlos, um, came out with an article in Playboy. So uh, there was very, my things were. Like I say, I followed a lot of it because um, when I was around 13, I had to visit my first psychiatrist because of this. Um, like I say, just picking up different things here and there. The whole transsexual thing because of uh, Harry Benjamin's book, The Transsexual Phenomenon. Um, and then the uh, book studies came out about what transgender was and it varied quite a bit back then, um, which I saw in her book, she was still referencing that dual idea of transsexual transgender, um, which got to me. And also when she was talking to, I think the care for the doctor was, and I was surprised, uh, was the Harry Benjamin Institute's uh, standard of care, which eventually morphed into uh, WPATH, which I thought had been earlier than that. So, because uh, you have to remember after I transitioned about the uh, early to mid eighties, my partner and I uh, left all this behind and I didn't come back out until 2015 after she died because I wanted to find out what was current, what people were doing now. Because I had no idea. 
Sure. Well, and I think, you know, when I, when I said, let's do a book club, I put out originally the books of the recent authors we'd had on the show. You know, Tina Madison White, Ashley Brundage, Gabrielle Claiborne, Brie Fram's book is coming out in November, hopefully. Um, I expect the November date. Miranda, I know, is in a passage in that. Um, so I loved that this kind of dated book was the one that pulled at everybody's heartstrings. And it was a really good reminder to remember the phrasing at the time, the, um, you know, the, the medical conduct at the time. Um, so it, for anybody who's kind of experiencing things now, um, it was a very good reminder of where we've come since 2003 when this book was written. Um, and for somebody like you, Georgia, yes, who's, you know, decades before that, I mean, what a time machine this book is and, and what you are for us. So thank you for sharing that. Well, part, part of mine is I get, when I was first coming back out to it, people would always come to me and say, well, if I would have known then what I know now, things would have been different. And my thing is, look, there, we weren't a lot of us that knew things then. We had, I mean, you had to go to the dirty bookstores to find magazines and books about any of this stuff. And the knowledge was out there in medical texts and things like that. It was not easy to find, but it was out there. And some of us just couldn't wait. Well, there is a, a bit of a difference between Google and the card catalog days. Yeah, there was <laughs> so we can all remember. Online stuff back then, any of that. But uh, we didn't actually get to everybody. So uh, Renee, um, what about for you? When did you first read this book? I read this book when it first came out, <laughs> in 2003. And <clears throat> one of the things that really uh, was interesting was I'm the same age as Jenny. And so it really struck a real chord with me at the time. And I remember crying through most of it. It was uh, the first book like this I read and I was still struggling. And, um, and it was very important. I remember, um, and it was different reading at this time. I picked out different things and at this time that I sort of um, gravitated towards. Yeah. Would you like to share any of those now, or would you like to share maybe a little later? Either way. Um, I don't remember so much other than <clears throat> when I first read it, her childhood, very similar, <clears throat> going through life, just trying to do the best you can, thinking it's going to go away. If I get married and I have children, it's going to go away. And so I really re resonated with all that. This time I really focused on um, the relationship between Grace and um, Jenny and, and like I wrote you, the, the guilt that was all involved. And, you know, Jennifer constantly was apologizing and, and it's wonderful because <laughs> Grace knows that she's sorry, even though she has to do this. And, um, and that's something I've really struggled with was and trying to come to terms with everybody in my life who this affects and the guilt that I deal with on that level. Renee, that was, um, so that was one of the questions I was referring to. Thank you so much for sending that. 
Um, and, you know, we're going to jump around so much tonight. We're not going to be able to get to everybody, but please feel free to, to jump in when you have something to share, as long as everyone gets a, a chance to speak. Um, but Renee, you know, you're leading us right into my next question. Um, would you like me to read it the way that you wrote it or? Sure. Okay. So what, what Renee had written to me, cause I could, I could feel the, the choking a little bit. Um, so Renee had written for me, one of the most significant parts of the book was when Jenny was first coming out and wrote how being her true self didn't set her free. Her relationship with Grace and the guilt she felt about what she had to do was heartbreaking, how we all must deal with a certain amount of that guilt due to who we are and have to be. Renee's questions for others would be, how do you handle that guilt? And that just, I choked up reading it just as you were starting to say it. So, you know, for, for our dear friends on screen, how do you feel with that guilt? Does anyone else, did anyone else have this reaction to this book the way that Renee did? I, that I, like I was saying before, that is, that's what resonated with me the most um, was just the, the struggle, the, 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 the and I, I've said basically the exact same, everyone's like, so you must be so happy now. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, the, like, <laughs> like, uh, yes, I'm finally being able to do what I've you know, always felt inside I needed to do, but I am just tearing at my wife right now. Um, I think the line, the line that just, that broke me <laughs> was um, when Grace said, every success you've had as a woman is also a loss for me. Um, and yeah, so um, I may not be, I, I, I have found myself constantly apologizing uh much like jenny did and um and much like grace my wife is like stop saying you're sorry i know you didn't mean this i know you didn't choose this but it's just it is what it is and i have struggled mightily <laughs> uh to to deal with the guilt of that um and not continue to apologize but um but yeah i, I, I it's it's really hard <laughs> Miranda, I, th I, I think this may have reached you a little too. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, as, I, as I posted there, it, um, that really, that, for me, that was one of the few things that stood out with this book, um, as I put the comment in there already. Um, but for me, honestly, <laughs> I don't have a lot of good stuff to say about this book, probably because I listened to it. Uh, I listened to it very quickly, um, just recently. Um, and to be honest, I really can't stand the way she reads. Um, please be an author, do not be a narrator. Um, doing voice work is, is a profession and it's a talent. She does not have it, um, she does not. She's, a, she's an author. She's a professor of literature, uh, and that is where she should stay. Uh, if anybody else listened to it and you don't feel that way, I apologize. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, for me, though, the, the, the phrasing, the intonation, the pauses, the, the drama in every single sentence, um, it was painful. Um, so it was for me, I, I think that got in the way 
of, of connecting with the message um, to a large degree. Uh, there, were, there were for me one or two moments, and I can't even recall when they were, uh, that literally on my walks in the morning when I would listen to this, that I would stop on the sidewalk and have to stop and think about this and, and pull myself together. Uh, so there were moments that were very connective. Um, certainly, the, as, as Ashley just said, the, the many times that, uh, uh, that Jenny talks about uh, apologizing over and over and, and being told you don't need to, it's not your fault. Um, but uh, really, um, to be honest, I think the most impactful uh, part of the whole book for me was in the afterward uh, from both Grace and Rick. Um, although Rick's an author too, um, and, uh, and he does the same stuff uh, repeatedly. Uh, but really, to me, the messages from the two of them were almost more valuable, uh, more connective for me uh, than listening to Jenny. So. There, you know, in, in having this discussion, there was a part of the book that really, um, that I found really interesting. So the last doctor that Jenny saw before undergoing anything, you know, the lat, the final diagnosis before beginning hormones, she, you know, is speaking with a psychiatrist who just came out and said, it's, it's time for you to just be Jenny. And uh, her response was, I didn't want to be told I had to be a woman. What I wanted from her was the mystery to a solution. I wanted to learn how to accept who I wasn't. Um, what I was being a man might be the second best life I can live, um, but the best life I can live will mean only loss and grief. So what I wanted to learn was how to be happy with the second best life. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that idea of, well, I've heard so many people talk about, is this really my, my best life versus what I'll, what I could lose? Or how do I, how do I make a second best life? Or does this part of the book, I connect with anyone? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's just, I remember being in therapy and um, I'd been in therapy for several months, <clears throat> maybe 10 at that point, when I finally was able to admit I was transgender. And I know my therapist was waiting for this moment she sat quietly for week after week until I finally was ready to admit it to myself. And I sat there on the couch, <clears throat> sobbing, going, now what do I do? So it's the same thing. It's like, you don't want, <laughs> you really don't want this. You want to be able to live okay in your other life. And you can't. Oh, Renee. I have to get a clinic. One of the I really loved rereading this was uh, um, I came out five years ago to, to like my first person, and I got a gift of this book five years ago. And it was the first thing I really read when I was trying to figure out what was going on after I came out. And, uh, and then I reread it just recently. And it's kind of like, you know, when you see a movie over again or reread uh, any book, you think you're going to get that same enjoyment you got the first time. But when there's a real space between when you read it and then when you reread it, um, you've probably grown as a person. And, you know, in, in five years since I read it, 
it's it's like going back and reading a new book because when when I read it the first time I was trying to you know understand what she was saying it's like okay I have those same questions um, and when I've looked at it this time it's okay yeah I get why she was doing that I mean um, you know and and because we've grown and you know and and become more comfortable there were like bits in there when uh, one of my favorite things when Jen mentioned sitting around in women's clothing not really sure why she did it except she knew that she couldn't not do it hmm. and and I remember you know um, I jotted a note her friend Richard who started pointing out some qualities that Jenny was better than James or liked better in Jenny than in James and and I had a, a good friend of mine who knew me before I transitioned who said you know the other person was a pretty good guy, but you know what? I really like Gabby. <laughs> so looking back at it, 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 you know, after a few years, it, it's an entirely different read, thankfully. <laughs> and welcome Gabby to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I apologize for being late. Thanks. Thanks for letting me jump in. No worries at all. My reaction was that um, She's very lucky to have such a strong family and such strong relationships. Uh, I was having marital problems before I transitioned and, and um, never had the support of my ex, nor, well, and that's, a, that's another story, but <laughs> the, uh, so I was, I really admired Grace and, and the rest of her family that they were able to do that and and able to follow through and stay with her. Um, I wasn't that fortunate and I think a lot of us aren't. So that's one reason that I think a lot of us are here so that you know, we have this family. We had, uh, we had another great question uh, that came in before the show tonight from Tracy McKenna. Tracy said, I read Jenny Boylan's book many years ago, back when not many books of this type were available and was fascinated by it and how much I could relate. But to this day, one of my primary memories of this book was how annoyed I was at the part where she just pulled her hair back in a ponytail, put on earrings and went out into the world fully passing. Meanwhile, I'm consumed with thoughts on FFS, hormones, breast augmentation, voice, style, movement, on and on and on. Probably just jealousy, but I could relate well with her story up until that part. Did it strike anyone else the same way? Okay, I'm seeing head nods, but they can't hear us in the audio podcast at the head nods. <laughs> uh it, it struck me the same way, and uh, uh, I, I did not listen to the audio, so I don't know what her voice sounds like, but uh, I've got a very deep bass voice, and that's why I still get, uh, if I get outed in public, you know, at all, that's where, that's where it occurs, and um, that's about it. That was really my only reaction to it. It was just that she had it relatively easy compared to a lot of people. Did that distract anyone else from the story or bring up any of the similar feelings of jealousy for anyone? For me, for me, it did. Um, 
it was a little bit distracting because it, it was almost hard to believe. Uh, I mean, I realized in her description, she was like six, five foot 11 and, a, and 150 pounds, which I would die for. Um, and, um, but then again, too, she started out earlier uh, than I did. But um, yeah, I, there was a bit of, a, of, of jealousy in the idea that I still got a long ways to go uh, on some of the things I had to do. And, um, and, and it hasn't been as easy as that. Now, there, there are people who I know who have said, it's been incredibly easy for me. <laughs> they think I passed very well. Um, so, you know, I guess part of that is personal and how I feel about myself, but yeah, that was a little bit annoying, um, but it, I don't think it really detracted from the, the story for me at all. Please, Georgette. Yeah, listening to uh, Miranda, who had listened to it on the audio, glad I did not listen to the audio. I found her writing style to be very all over the place, but that's neither here nor there. That's her style, apparently. Um, and, but I did get the best part was the, uh, the post chapters from her longtime college writer friend, the wife and her own, uh, when they shut down her ancestral home that her, after her mother died. I, I enjoyed those more because they could give you a different viewpoint than she was giving you. Who else really connected with the end part of the book? And is there a section from and end comment that you'd like to share? I loved the portion from Rick, um, specifically because he, he, he just described how um, he just really didn't get it. He kept looking at it from his perspective the whole time and just, you know, and, and whatnot, and just kind of he talked about his journey on on figuring things out and eventually he got there and it was just it was encouraging <laughs> to me I guess I mean like I said all this is very raw for me um so it, it was it was encouraging that because I literally have been hearing the same things from my close friends and whatnot and 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 all and I know they're trying and they know they don't mean anything bad or anything like that but it's just um it was it was moving for me to hear how he eventually did uh come around and, and come to understand it so i just i'm i am also an eternal optimist uh when it comes to relationships so i'm very hopeful to <laughs> in so many ways um i really like the you know the last two chapters because as I was reading it, I was really focused on me and my journey. But when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, not only am I transitioning, but others are too. And to see other people's perspective in the same story really helped me because, you know, I think we've all heard, you know, friends, family, spouses, et cetera, they're transitioning with you and they may transition at a different pace. So that was the first time, I guess, it ever really kind of jumped out at me. So I, I really enjoyed seeing it all in the same book. I thought that was really helpful for me. How did um, you feel when you read the friend's commentary 
earlier in Jenny's book. And so for anybody who's read the book years ago, there was an update done in, I think, 2013, um, where these afterwords from Grace and Russo were, were added. Um, but in Jenny's version of the book, you know, she shared uh, a number of emails that had actually hurt her from her friend. And her friend was very candid. And uh, there was a part where her friend Russo had said, I know you say Jenny's the real you, but you seem more like an actor trying to figure Jenny out. Whereas the Jim we have always known is natural. And we and you just played that part so well. So it's so hard to believe that Jim isn't who you really are when it seemed so natural versus Jenny, who you struggle with and it, it, it hasn't come through naturally yet. Um, how has, you know, did that affect anybody in comments that you've received or heard of? Um, and, you know, did you, did you think that Russo would come around later? What were your thoughts on Russo's honesty and reaction at that point? Bronwyn, you're choking me up with, with the, the tears. Are you okay? I'm, I'm seeing like the head shake and the tear. Yeah. This book has really hit a lot of us. It has. I see the Kleenex, Renee. Yeah. You know, that point about, uh, about seeing the Jen, about Jen seeming, you know, like they were acting a part. Um, once people I knew for years started to get to know me as Gabby, um, they recognized the real truth that the person before was the act. I mean, from the time I was five till when I came out at 60, and they told me they had never seen me more natural and not putting on a face and not uh, and, and actually being happier. Somebody joked about, you know, oh, we love that Gabby smile. And I said, well, what's the big deal about a smile? I mean, she, they said, well, Greg, my old name, they said, well, Greg never did smile. So they thought that I looked so much more natural and authentic being Gabby. Same, I had the same uh, same comment to, to make about that, that um, the people who have had the most trouble with my transition have been the people who just, they've had up until the time I came out, they had nothing as a reference point. So for them, me being who I was, was natural to them. So for, for, for them, Maggie was the outlier, the interloper uh, that they couldn't understand. Um, but to continue with what Gabby says, I just had an experience uh, just this last weekend. I had come out this spring to uh, two people that I really, really thought were going to just totally cut me off completely. And uh, it, But instead, they invited me to their place, and we had own conversations just this weekend. And these are died in the wool, I hate to say country hit, I don't want to do that, but it just to describe you the, the type of person they are. And yet the husband says to me, well, you know, we've been sitting here for two hours. We've had the same, we've been talking about the same things we talked about ever, every time we ever talked before. So I can see you're the same person inside you always were. And then his wife turned around and said, and on top of that, she says, I saw you a year and a half ago. And I said, I can see the difference, the happiness, the contentment that I have with being who I am. They were all for it. They said, we're all in. 
And so I get what Gabby was saying. That's lovely. I am so glad, Gabby and Maggie, that you have people in your lives that get to see your real smile. That is just, I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. I've had the same experience um, with with several friends that I that I knew from 30 years ago or so that I worked knew professionally, and I've had connections with the last three years, and they um, they're just telling me I'm a <laughs> they enjoy being around me much more <laughs> than they did back then, and uh, I come across as genuine now, and and that. Um, in my in my attitude, I'm not um, angry all the time, and um, so it it, uh, it it means a lot when you hear that from somebody I've known for a long time, and uh, some are like almost four decades, you know. So it's it's uh, it's amazing. That's wonderful, Liz. We've we've had you so quiet through this meeting. Um, I think that you had shared with me was this your first book that you had read. Um, about being transgender. I know that you have been um, welcomed into this community by your very shy and introverted sister, Miranda Jones. Uh, yes, <laughs> on both counts. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, it was two years ago and I find it so interesting to hear Miranda talk about not enjoying the book, which Miranda recommended to her big sister Liz. <laughs> and, you know, and for me, you know, being cisgendered and fairly new to, you know, knowing anyone and certainly, you know, someone in my family and then becoming part of a community like this, it was eye-opening. It, um, it made it personal and helped me to just to understand, to, um, to understand the possibilities for, for Miranda, for, you know, for each of you, for our family, for your families. Um, I thought that the honesty uh, that came through from each of the people in this book, um, you know, his wife and um, her wife, the friend, everyone, um, just being so raw about how difficult at every stage this is. And uh, so I, I found it extremely, extremely valuable. Um, uh, Recommended to anybody, anybody. Thank you, Liz. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it was very interesting to read Jenny's perspective on how she felt, you know, feminine culture and, and how women behaved before she transitioned and then, and then after. There was a section that I thought was, was interesting. She goes, it was madness and it was exactly the kind of madness I found least appealing in the lives of the women I knew. Yet the culture had its hooks in me, like it or not. In no time at all, I'd internalized many of the things I'd spent years imploring my students to fight against. I worried that I was too fat. I apologized when someone else stepped on my foot as if it were my fault. My sentences often ended with a question as if I were unsure about myself. 
all of these changes transpired without any conscious thought. And if I became aware of them, I felt ashamed. Partially, I think what I wanted was to belong. If being female to others at any rate seemed to include self-doubt, insecurity, and anorexia, the same part of me felt, okay, well, let's do all that then. So um, I, ha I have to ask, have there been parts of, you know, what you had imagined life as a woman would be like that you never thought that you would um, be a part of? And now that you have yourselves um, transitioned or, or living a dual gendered life, find that you are taking on mannerisms that you didn't necessarily want to take on before. Was this kind of a, a, a shocking or a real, you know, a, an affirming part of the book? Well, I'll actually speak up for once. Um, I, I actually, there's a great duality to that for me. Um, much of what Jenny wrote, I actually found quite offensive um, in terms of, no, women do not all automatically apologize no matter what. Um, I, I found that very offensive as someone who's raised four daughters to be exactly the opposite of that. You need to be your own person and strong and stick up for yourself and, and proud of your own thoughts and, and everything else. Um, and the other flip to that, uh, Cassandra, as you're aware, uh, because you may not have recognized it, but uh, everybody else uh, who saw me at my first Keystone um, said that mine was more of a just immediate transition, if you will, just it, I exuded female without trying. Uh, there was no falling into, there was no, um, oh gee, gosh, I really hope I don't do this or that um, and I'll fight it. It was people coming up to me and saying, my God, you should teach comportment. Um, how do you do this? And literally I would look at them awestricken and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. What, what do you mean? Like, you, you move with such natural ease. Your mannerisms are that of a 47-year-old woman. How do you do this? Um, so for me, it was all very opposite. And, and maybe that was more of the reason uh, that so much of the book, honestly, kind of grated on me. Yes, there were moments that, were, that did touch and I related to directly, obviously. Um, but so much of it was, was very, I don't know, inverse uh, of, of my experiences, to be honest. Thank you. Yes, Georgette, I think you've raised your hand a couple times. Let's um, go for it. Uh, on the idea of what uh, affirmations that she went through, uh, I, when I was young doing all this, I was mainly with the uh, lesbian community uh, and since coming back out, I still deal a lot with the left. And women are all over the place. There is no such thing as one womanhood. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of that has, you know, gone by the wayside. I mean, <laughs> I've got, and it's not just lesbians. Um, so, and it's hard for me to compare because after I got out of the Navy till I finished transitioning was so few years, uh, the only people that 
know me now, that uh, knew me before were family members and they're dying away because of my age, all my aunts and uncles and things like that. So it, it's, and it's nowhere I can, that people can compare. Cause I didn't have, when I got out of the Navy, I had no friends other than work people and the trans community or lesbian community. So there was no being able to compare. It's like when people do these uh, transition Tuesdays and Thursdays on Facebook and stuff, I have almost no pictures of prior. And uh, it, it's so what I've grown up in, and again, because I had a uh, female partner, was basically like you would have a lesbian couple where you would have tasks that you both would have to share some good, some bad. There was no one thing. So I, I, that's why I say about, and the, the, uh, what annoys me is a lot of people with the passing idea is uh, it's a frame of mind. Um, I have never, to this day, I don't know whether I do or don't, and I don't really care. Um, for the general public, I never get questions. So there's there's those kind of effects. So I, it's hard for, and one of the things I like, and I wanted to find from like this group is, I had no uh, marriages, no children. So I couldn't uh, see how that could affect your lives. Well, Georgette, you, you are always going to be um, our shepherd from decades past sharing with us, you know, what this has been like at a time when it was not as easy for everyone. I thank you for that. You know, and so we do have a very interesting um, commentary from Jenny on what it means to, you know, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Uh, Miranda had mentioned, um, you know, I, I, I was told I should be teaching comportment and, you know, and I, I do speak on comportment and it's something that I struggle with because I personally do have a problem with gender roles and, you know, sexist traits and stereotypes and things. But, you know, sometimes those are things that we, we reference to the extreme in describing kind of male and female traits. Um, you know, one of the things that's very interesting is not just, um, you know, did she just pass tossing her hair back and throwing on a pair of earrings, but how the hormones affected her. Uh, she talked a lot about um, the freedom of tears and now how all of a sudden things that could skate on by, she, she took under her skin, she couldn't let go how easily she cried, how much she loved crying, but it was, you know, it was very different. And there were times when she missed the, the metaphorical wall that testosterone created for her, that barrier that protected her from the onslaught of the outside world. Is there anyone who feels like, you know, post-hormones or living as their, their authentic selves that they miss the protections of testosterone? No, I actually had an interesting experience just because the, like, I mean, I, I grew up extremely just like guys don't cry, boys don't cry. This is not the way it works and whatnot. So like, I mean, it, I could literally count on my first 40 
six years uh, on one hand, how many times I've like really cried in my life, like beyond being like a little kid. Um, and since, and I'm not on hormones yet. And since I like really started to come out and whatnot, it's been overwhelming. I mean, I, I've, I've just broken down and sobbed, you know, many, many times over the last like four or five months. Um, and it, it helps a lot. It's amazing. The freedom of that, like that, that part really struck me. And I'm just like, oh my God, when starting hormones, what am I going to be like? <laughs> Liz, I, I bet you have some thoughts on the power of tears as our, as our life coach. Well, a uh, little back step, just noting Miranda's comment. And it was so true at, um, Miranda and Anne's wedding, he was, she, so he said, well, it was he, and I can say that pronoun at that time, he was sobbing uncontrollably as she stood there straight faced <laughs> through their wedding. But the so way, so everybody, what Liz is referring to is we have our own private chat in the Zoom. <laughs> so that if you're not a club member and in our Zoom, you're kind of okay. missing the conversation. So Miranda shared that she's the one who bawled her eyes out at the wedding. At her, at her wedding, yes. <laughs> but I, I think that that must be, of course, you know, that is such a, a basic um, gift that we have these emotions and to be able to to express them and you know on a on a personal level I, I feel that men it's 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 our society says nope don't do it don't show it um, stoic brave tough and all of that and so this wonder you know and yet society is letting everyone be a little bit more open about how they feel and where they are. And so I think that, you know, to be able to express that real raw emotion that is in all of us is, it's a gift that um, uh, I know that you all uh, and we all should and can accept, share, it's a form of communication that brings us together and, and means a great deal. Show of hands, who here loves a good cry? Oh yeah. <laughs> like sometimes I'll just put on a sappy movie because I'm like, I have emotions and they need to come out. <laughs> and they just need, or that sad song or a, if I drive and the country music starts to shuffle into my phone, I, I'm done. I have to pull over because I can't cry and drive at the same time. We have those things that they give us that release. I also like to listen to Audible. <clears throat> and I, I'm always listening to these books that are just like heartbreaking. And I'll be right, driving to work, sobbing. And, and I have to stop because it's like, I, I can't go to work like this. And, <laughs> Our, our youngest daughter knows that I will always fall back on watching The Rookie with Dennis Quaid uh, or Invincible. Um, and, and either one of those movies, they both make me cry uh, at the end. Um, and, and in fact, leading up to the end, because now I've watched them so many times, the little parts that are indicators of what's going to happen make me cry. And, and our daughter's just like, why do you always 
watch this if it makes you cry. And why do you still cry every time you watch it? <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah. <clears throat> there are parts of movies that I cry every time you hear it, how many times I've seen it. One of the best things about transitioning for me has been able to cry when other people are around. Um, I remember many times crying when I was growing up just out of frustration and, uh, and not being able to share that with anybody. And even uh, <clears throat> how difficult it was when my mother passed away and then my father passed away about having to contain those feelings inside and not being able to just to let them go. So, and now, you know, it doesn't take much for me to start. <laughs> and I don't really care who's around. And that's been a great release. And I think it's, it's uh, helped so much with tension and, and uh, stress. You know. I'm so sorry, Bronwyn. Let's hear from some of the ladies that haven't joined yet at all. Catherine, how are you doing at home? I know you said you hadn't read the book. Are there any themes we're discussing that are connecting with you? Hi there, yes. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I, I've uh, listened to some of the observations about the book and everything. Now, I'm generally not a person that reads books. I hate reading. But it's okay. What, I think we have an audio book club starting too. It looks like some of our gals what, are. <laughs> what uh, what I like about what I heard now is, you know, it for me. There's a lot of stories and a lot of emotions involved in the book by the looks of it, and. A lot of what I've heard now is resonating to what I'm going through at the moment. For some sake, I sort of hated myself. At the moment, I am uh, in a situation where I feel ashamed of myself and everything because I never realized for two and a half years, my, my entire family, they have rejected me, but they didn't have the guts to tell me in my face. Now, how do I deal with that? I actually uh, went last night and I unfriended all of them on my Facebook and I told them this girl is here to stay. I'm not changing for nobody. I have no reason to be ashamed of who I am. And I don't have to stand back for anybody else. And that's how I get myself out of this hole, how can you say a hole of darkness that, you, that I find myself in. Don't take me wrong, it's very hurtful. I've been crying for two days about what was said. And it all boiled down to around uh, Father's Day. And I'll share more about that on a later stage, but... Uh, by somebody, someone in the family that tells me I don't belong. It just shook my whole foundation that, uh, that I always portray this picture of I'm so lucky listening to others and, and a person in the family rejecting them and I tell them, listen, 
I am so lucky because my whole family supports me. And it throws you in this thing. You've not been bluffing yourself, but you've also been misleading all those around you by telling them you're so lucky and that. But I would really like to get out of this book and try, try and read it because I see a lot of similarities into that. But uh, listening to uh, what someone said earlier, I think it was Miranda, I do not apologize to anybody for being me. Catherine, I'm so sorry you've been through so much pain. Mm. Um, I think that we've, you know, most of us have probably experienced times when we thought we were friends with people who weren't our friends. We are family with people who really weren't supportive family. And it's so painful when you think that somebody you've loved or trusted or who has been in by your side really isn't there. Um, and nobody is ever going to look at you and think, well, she misled us. We're, we're with you because we've, we've had that pain too. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, as we're talking about this book that I think, you know, you might connect with, um, you know, the, the, the two most important people besides Jenny's children uh, in her life are Grace and her best friend Russo. And a lot of the book is devoted to this one best friend and they will write each other saying, I'm not good at making friends. You're kind of my only friend. And they, you know, they work through and try to find ways to stick together. Um, because sometimes it's not about the, the big groups that we have in our lives is about maybe that one genuine person, and it may not be easy for that one genuine person, but that's the connection that, that matters. But we are all sending you lots of love and, and hugs, Catherine. Thanks, I agree with what you say. You know, it's, it's never easy to feel, uh, feel rejected when one person uh, rejects you. You can look past it and you can move on and say, well, listen, one person, build a bridge, get over it. But to have your entire family, including three of my own children, telling me I don't belong, that is, I think, like, I just don't have words to describe it, how hard it is. understand yeah it has to be painful i can't even imagine that i was going to say one thing that um i am one of those people and i, I don't know i know it wasn't necessarily pointed to me that say how lucky i am and i say it because not because i have all the people in the world that love me is I say I have all the people in the world that love me despite the people who don't. I'm like Catherine, I do not apologize and will not apologize for being who I am. And I've lost people. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, Georgia. I wanted to add a little thing to the hormone thing uh, and starting all that is that uh, I don't recommend anybody else do what I did. Uh, back then, the hormones that you would take, they didn't use anti-androgens like they do now. 
It was basically just Premarin and uh, Provera, which we've now found out that are not good for long-term health. And back then, after 10 years and post-surgery of, it would have been about seven, eight years or something, uh, I stopped all my hormones. Uh, talked to my gynecologist about it. And he would say, well, you're going to put yourself into an early, uh, like a female's post-menopause. And from seeing how my mother went through hers, um, I didn't see a big problem in it. Uh, and like I say, is so, and basically that is my sex hormone levels are the same as any post-menopausal females. And the whole idea of the crying and all that, it, it, I don't know, I don't think it doesn't, it's a factor, but it doesn't go away. I will cry and I will laugh at some of the, you know, things all at the same time. It, uh, I think it's just, uh, I think doing all this puts you in a thing where you will accept that part of your life. You don't deny it anymore. Very true. I don't recommend anybody else do that because back in the 80s, they had no long-term studies. They still don't really have any long-term studies on all this. Um, it, it was just a personal choice. Well, and nothing says the, the emotional ride of hormones better than laugh, cry. Am I right? You said it right there, Georgette. Now, um, anybody who's been watching this show since since episode one, you know, back January 1, 2020, the first person we had on the show, and she, she came back for a one-year update was Temperance DeWitt. And I was very, very touched that she decided to share that um, she uh, had, had been assaulted after, you know, transitioning and that, you know, that is an issue. And so safety has been a big thing for us. Um, very blessed. Sarah Moore is going to finally be coming back. She's been so busy this past year to give another safety update this fall as we head back into conferences and, and events and we're out, you know, venturing in the world as we are now. Uh, so I was struck by the part of the book that Jenny talked about. And I wonder, does everybody have this moment where if you were raised as, as a boy, without thinking in regards as much to personal safety, what happens when you enter the world as a woman and that safety is compromised or that first time when you realize I'm not the same person that I was in physical strength or stature or just how I present myself. And I'm referring to the moment that Jenny, who we read in the book plays in a band we all know what happens when you play in a band, you close the bar, it's you know, two in the morning, you're going out to your car alone at night and somebody tries to, to grab her and take her with them. And she realizes she's, there's even a moment where she says, let me go or I'll scream. He says, go ahead. And she screams and no one comes running. Is there any um, one that read that part of the book and thought, oh my gosh, that is my biggest fear or yep, I remember when something like that happened to me. Yep, Bronwyn. Oh, you're muted, honey. I've actually had nightmares about that. And um, not recently, but, um, and it's one of the, one of the biggest fears I had and, and it's, um, 
actually had an encounter once in the parking lot, but it was in the middle of the day, of the day that was somebody who was coming on very hard. And, uh, and I just, uh, I think I kicked him if I remember right, but <laughs> I got away from it. But it's, it's, um, that is a big fear. I mean, where I work, um, I don't like it when somebody comes up walking behind me and uh, I tend to turn around and look and see who's around me now and I never did before. So it's my own reality. I had, um, uh, when I first came out, a matter of fact, it was probably about a month after I re read this book. It was uh, June of 2016. And um, I actually got mugged on a street. It was a young guy drunk that kind of leaned over and then when he got a little bit closer realized I wasn't the woman he was expecting to lean into um, and then he got rough to kind of you know kind of prove that uh, you know who he was or whatever and um, as it turned out I actually took him out um, at, at the time and uh, you know he ended up running away called me a crazy bitch and all that and I I told him that'll teach you to pick on girls, basically. But as soon as it was over, I mean, though I'm grateful that I was had the you know had the ability to defend myself, um, it shook me up badly. Uh, just first it was you know oh people like me become a target, and then it became no women are a target like this all the time, and it it affected me you well. Know, I mean, I'm still talking about it. It hasn't really stopped affecting me, but it overwhelmed me with emotion uh, for days or about a week after that, where it's all I could think about, just the experience that women go through and, you know, somebody bigger comes up and all of a sudden you, you know, without thinking, the unconscious things of all, you know, you're clutching your purse, you know, you're starting to lean, making sure you're in a lit area. Whereas before, you know, I never thought of that. You know, I, I was like, yeah, I got this. I'm fine. I'm seeing some nod shaking. I see Renee and, and Ashley shaking their heads. Similar experiences? I haven't had the experience yet, but I mean, like I said, I'm kind of new to, to the whole being out in public, but I am, a am I've already felt like some freedoms have been taken away and not because anything's happened, but it's just like, I'm a runner and like, I'm, I'm actually traveling for work right now. So normally I'd get up early in the morning and just go running by myself around wherever I'm visiting for work and wouldn't even think twice. I'm 6'2", I'm not a small person. Um, and I just don't think twice about it. I've never had an incident. And now I'm like all of a sudden running as a woman and I am like, like, in like just from, I've heard these experiences from other women and, uh, you know, here as well as reading the book and whatnot. And it's like, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm just pissed that I even have to consider this when nothing has changed other than just how I appear. And it's horrible. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, I've always worried about my wife, my daughter, and now I really see how ridiculous all of this is. <laughs> and it just, I, it just, it's infuriating. Okay. Yes. Do you're you're done running at five in the morning by yourself in the dark, as Ashley? <laughs> like, please take care. It is an it is an awful, awful feeling. But yeah, you definitely do start to see the world in in a different light. Renee, I saw you shake your head too. I, I haven't had a bad experience, but 
I had to, um, I was, <clears throat> I realized I was, I was on the stage and it was over. And so I was just going to walk to my car and he was like, no, I'm going to walk you to your car. And it made me realize, oh yeah, <laughs> we have to go through life a little differently now. And it really kind of shook me for a minute because yeah, I am vulnerable. I, and I've never felt that before. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I just always, I like to throw these things in when I can as a reminder to anybody out there, you know, stay vigilant, stay safe, never take anything for granted. Um, if you are ever, you know, if, if you're going out to the bars, we have some, or support groups and you're starting to do dinners again, we have some great old episodes that you can find on the myfeminineheart.com website with Sarah Moore talking about safety. Um, I highly recommend checking those out and we'll, we'll have more of those coming up this fall too. But you know, when I read that, I thought, oh, this is another, another great reminder for this group. And, you know, and as usual, it's like quarter after nine where there was so much for us to talk about. I'd love um, to give everybody a last chance to share if there's anything that was left unsaid or that really touched them. Um, and I, I'd like to start if Paula, if you're with us, um, you know, you've, you've been quiet for so long. Do you have any closing thoughts on the book that you would like to share? The book I felt was wonderful. It did get me down. It did uh, allow me to talk to my bride, but overall, I loved it. I related so much to what she had said. Um, I love the book. Go for it. If you haven't read it, please do. Thank you, Paula. We're so glad that you've joined us and uh, that you're here with us tonight. Does anyone else? I see Gabby nodding her head and some big smiles. Gabby, do you have anything that you'd love to, anything left unshared from the book? Uh, I guess what I was just thinking, um, I was raising my hand, I've spoken a couple times, but what I was thinking um, when you talked about, uh, you know, how you act or feel differently, um, you know, as a woman, and one of the things I thought of was kind of an unconscious thing, um, and I remember you talking um, about six months ago when I first started coming uh, about how you could tell in the way you converse with, some, uh, with somebody um, you know, a, a transgender woman, for instance, because, because like the woman would come into the house and, uh, you know, talk about the house and what a lovely home and be complimentary and want to ask questions of the hostess uh, like that. Whereas the guy would just come in and like, you know, talk about being able to do a better job painting it or something. And there's like an old joke or a saying, um, if a woman has a problem and she tells um, a guy he'll say, well, how can I fix it? She tells a woman, she'll ask how she feels. You know, you know, you know, do you, do you want to talk? Can I, can I listen or something like that? And after I had come out, I mean, the hormones hadn't even been on that long or in, in me that long. And, and women friends of mine told me the difference they saw in me, how I just acted differently around them. Like I, all of a sudden, unconsciously was acting like one of their oldest female friends. That's lovely, Gabby. It sounds like it's all kind of hit the right chord for you. That's yeah, 
I, I haven't looked back once or questioned the decision even once. <laughs> what about our, our besties, Maggie and Linda? Any last thoughts in the book from you two ladies? I, I was I was cut off earlier. I just wanted to say that that uh, it was referring back to something that Catherine had said, and I do understand how she feels about things. I am one of those people who say I'm lucky because I am, not because I haven't lost people. I have lost a lot of people, and it hurts. It really does. But I'm lucky because of all the people I do have in life, and um, I just wanted to know that uh, it's not all roses, even for those people who say we're lucky. Thank you, Maggie. I'm so sorry you got cut off, but thank you for sharing that. That was an important message to be read, to be reshared in full a second time. And for you, Linda, any last thoughts? No, I just enjoyed the book. I enjoyed being with all the ladies tonight. So nothing, uh, important to say other than I just enjoyed tonight and thank you for having us. Yeah. Well, I feel bad calling, but I wanted to make sure anybody who didn't get a chance to speak really got a chance to share any last thoughts, but please. So I won't call on anyone anymore, but does anyone else have anything left that they'd like to share? Um, just that I'm going to reread it with a highlighter in my hand. When you get your new copy. Yes, Catherine. I just wanted to share something unrelated with you quickly. I had three anniversaries in the last week and a half. First one being my 13 year anniversary being in New Zealand, changing my life from horrible to a better. Second being uh, exactly five years on HRT and the third one being uh, my Ministry of Health has approved my gender confirmation surgery finally. I'm just waiting for a date now. Congratulations, that is a lovely week. Yay, Catherine. Oh, that's so lovely. Any last thoughts from any of our ladies? Georgette, I know we've always got a, a last thought from you. Um, they, uh, I've never really been assaulted per se, but uh, when I was young, uh, I did get into some dicey situations prior to surgery. Um, mostly men that were too eager. Um, and now, and it's not just men that can do it. I've had situations where, because I deal a lot with the lesbian community, uh, some of the more butch type lesbians, they can give you a very hard time because they think you're trying to steal their girlfriend or whatever. So it's not just men that can cause you problems. Thank you for, for that reminder. And uh, so thank you everyone for tonight. I already had a suggestion for our next um, book. I Oh, Renee, did I see you wave? No, okay. So I already have a suggestion for our next book. So what I will be doing, um, and I see some questions coming in, like how can I join the Zoom? So I do wanna give a specific shout out to Donna Lewin. 
Donna, I have been trying to message you on Facebook in regards to your uh, um, trying to join the club members Facebook group. Please check your messages from me um, or send me an email so that we can kind of open communication and I can answer your questions, but I've, I've not been able to reach you. Um, my email info at CassandraStorm.com. And uh, so for anybody who's watching, these ladies are club members of My Feminine Heart. Our membership is currently closed. Uh, we have been, we launched uh, January 1st, New Year's Day, 2020, and I've been around for the last year and a half. So happy, you know, anniversary to us as we're heading from June into July, and we're going into the second half of our second year. Um, so one of the beautiful things is that we started so small, and as members have joined, they've helped us evolve over time, and we have grown with the growth of our group. And so if you are looking at a video tonight with these amazing ladies on screen, very different set of group of ladies than we had um, last fall. For the first time, we had a big group gather for our, for our first annual fall festival, which we will have again this year. And every time we have new members, they have fantastic ideas and they point out fantastic questions that they have about the group. And I realize I haven't answered this question yet. So um, for those of you who are like, why is your membership closed? The reason is, is when we close down, I am doing all this work behind the scenes to take us to the next level from all the feedback that we're getting. So we won't be reopening our membership again until we have, um, fingers crossed, a brand new website that houses our entire membership and our Yoga With My Girlfriends membership. So members can log in. Um, our members, when we first signed up uh, with Patreon to run our membership, our very private members who would not use a credit card or um, a debit card to subscribe were able to use a prepaid gift card and that is no longer the case. So that's one of the reasons that we are migrating platforms. So thank you for your patience and bear with us. Um, so in the meantime, yes, as a club member, there are many wonderful perks, including getting to vote on like what our next book will be. We will be having a new book every quarter. The next discussion, I believe, is going to be September. I am taking suggestions now and we'll be putting a vote in the club member email in our private Facebook page. If you are watching and you would like to join us when we reopen, please send me an email info CassandraStorm.com. Now, even though there are some special perks that are amazing for our club members, we have lots of free content for you to support this beautiful community of trans women. Feel free to visit our website, um, myfeminineheart.com to watch or listen to so many of the amazing episodes. Like I said, I think tonight is episode maybe 115. So we've got a lot of content out there to keep you busy. Speaking of next week, is a club member only perk. So we will not be live for Trans Tuesday. Next week, we are doing a private workshop. This workshop will be like tonight for our club members who have signed a model release can actually join us in a Zoom because it will be recorded and it will be streamed to our private Facebook group. So we can take questions for Coach Liz, who's with us in the Zoom tonight. We can take questions in the chat, in the Zoom, and once we're streamed to the Facebook group, hopefully last time Facebook blocked us, we'll be able to do that. Now, Liz was on with us last week and she shared with us her fabulous, deep and meaningful, her wheel of deep and meaningful relationships. And she gave us homework for next week. Liz, would you mind sharing with us what the homework is for everybody when we join you for a special workshop on Tuesday? 
of course. So it was actually very simple, simply to be thinking about and making a list of uh, things that uh, take you to the place where you felt most love and where you feel most love. And so it's where would you like to be on a date with yourself? And if you can get it, have at least two dates by the time we get together on Tuesday. And that's going to be how we kick off our workshop to kind of um, start off with that. And I'd love to hear from you all what you did and, and how it felt. And, and then we're going to take it from there and dive a little bit deeper. So I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you, Liz. And so I will be sending out an email tomorrow with the Zoom link for next Tuesday, if you've noticed, um, because our group is as we evolve with the size of our group, I now have you pre-register in the Zoom so that you have a Zoom link. So there's no Zoom link confusion coming into the evening. Uh, so you will get an email tomorrow with a reminder of what Liz's homework is. And I'm excited to see how this has impacted you. If you did not do the homework last week, that's okay. Just one day of self-reflection and meditation can, can mean a difference, but now you have like seven days before the next one. So looking forward to seeing you all then. And then the week after we will not be live again because we will be unveiling da, 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 our July sister of the month for a very fabulous and inspiring transition journey story. So love you all. We will see you back. Um, middle of July. It seems so far saying that, but we're going to blink our eyes and we will be back together. If you want to stay up to date on our schedule, our schedule is always on the homepage of our website, myfeminineheart.com. And I email it every Tuesday. Shoot me an email, info at cassandrastorm.com. And I would happy, be so, so happy to connect you and welcome you to our sisterhood. Ladies, you've changed my life. Thank you for making Tuesday my favorite night of the week. I promise you it never was before. <laughs> And thank you, Susan Holtz, who wasn't able to join us tonight because CGS meets this evening uh, for recommending this book to our group. It obviously, in many ways, good, bad, and in between struck a chord. So thank you for bringing this to us as all books are meant to do. Love you all. Have a beautiful evening. Thank you and good night. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.